2: Constant Contact, a digital marketing platform that helps small businesses and nonprofits of all sizes build, grow, and succeed. With email marketing, contact management, industry-leading list growth tools, social media ads, and more, Constant Contact helps small businesses connect with customers, find new ones, and sell online. All from one easy-to-use platform. They've been trusted by millions of businesses to help improve their marketing. With a 97% deliverability rate, you can rest assured that your customers and potential customers are getting the right message at the right time. With a simple interface, Constant Contact's easy-to-use platform makes contact management easier than ever. Their list growth tools help you find a bigger audience fast. Lead generation landing pages, text to join, and social media ads are proven to grow your list and drive engagement with your brand. With thousands of integrations, you can sync Constant Contact's tools with the tools you're already using. Powerful automation tools help you send the right message to the right person at the right time, every time. To start your free digital marketing trial today, visit ConstantContact.com.
3: Derek is the new superintendent in a large unified school district. He wanted to hold the district accountable to the same standards they hold students to, to level up and surpass expectations. So he earned a doctoral degree in education online at Grand Canyon University. Now he's taking charge and making measured improvements. What do you think preparing students for success looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.
1: This is the Cubs related podcast presented by cubsinsider.com. My name is Corey and I am once again joined by Brendan. Good to have you back with us Brendan after I ran solo for the Mike Montgomery, Martin Maldonado trade special edition. Very well done by the way Corey, if I say so myself. Good job. I have to uphold the very high bar that you have set for this podcast. So there's there's really no choice but to perform in those situations. But – we are coming to you on a Wednesday evening after the Cubs win the last two games of a three game set with the Cincinnati Reds to, of course, as simple math would tell us, take two of three in the series, winning their second series of two opportunities to start this second half. So the good vibes continuing on the north side of Chicago. We have a good bit to talk about. You, Darvish, shoved. Ladies and gentlemen, he had another yep. really really good start on Wednesday afternoon, so we will dig into that. We will talk a little bit about Albert Almora. We will talk about the aforementioned Mike Montgomery, Martin Maldonado swap and, you know, now that we're uh, a couple days removed from that happening, just any further reactions or anything going on with that that we want to talk about. And we'll talk a little bit about Chris Bryant because when is it ever a bad thing to talk about Chris Bryant? But Brendan, I I want to bring you in here, and and I already mentioned that that he was really good, but I, I do want to clear up something with you in particular. As you were watching that start today, uh, were yes. you booing? Were you Moises aluing, or you. were you ewing? You were ewing. I was ewing. Okay, I'm always a ewer. Corey, come on, got it. Yes, I was, and so were the forty thousand faithful at Wrigley Field this afternoon. He deserved it letting out the loud use I would say the loudest that we've heard since he's been a cub and and it was deserved. Yep. They were ringing no out through Wrigley Field, kind of reminiscent of those Javi chants that get out there, but it was very loud in certain moments for you darvish, and it was well deserved so let me just run through these games real quick, get a, a lay of the land here as it relates to this Reds series, and then we'll, we'll dig into all these issues here. But on Monday, a forgettable game, a weird game for this team because that game on Monday felt a lot like what we saw in the first half. The Cubs missing several opportunities. They commit two errors in this game. Steve Cieszek gives up a game-tying home run, and the Reds score five of their six runs after you know the sixth inning. So not a good place to be. We have, Javi messing up a double play we have David Bodie oh laying a ball into left field missing a double play chance and letting the Reds score some runs not a good game and as we talked about before that's one that gets crumpled up and thrown into Joe's magical trash can that these bad games go into and uh, unfortunately that trash can's a, a little heavy this year but it's okay the Cubs turn around and they get things done in Tuesday and Wednesday's game. But the final on Monday was 6-3. to three. The Reds winning this one. C-Sheck, like I said, taking the loss. The Cubs runs in this one coming on a Kyle Schwarber home run, his 20th of the season, but not his last in the series. Jason Hayward with an RBI groundout gave the Cubs their second run of the evening and then a wild pitch later in that same inning, the fourth scored Anthony Rizzo, and that would be all the Cubs would get the wild put. Pitch, put them up three to one and I think especially after that Pittsburgh series where the Cubs had played really cleanly and tightened things up a bit you kind of felt like this series was off to a good start and they were just going to shut this game down but that is not ultimately how it went Kyle Hendricks did start this game and unfortunately takes an undeserved no decision he goes six allows four hits two earned runs on two home runs two walks and five strikeouts ZRA in the season now sitting at 3.46 so this was a another really good start for Kyle. Kyle Hendricks, and again, as he's been working his way back from that injury, good to see him get out there, throw ninety-four pitches, go six innings. He looks really good. I think uh, we can kind of officially move past that injury. He's no worse for wear. He's ready to do his professor things as we get down into uh, the the deeper part of the second half here on Tuesday after Monday's game. Tuesday's game started to where I think we were all going, man, like. I I thought we had kind of turned a corner with that Pittsburgh series and this red series is starting about as bad as it can. So they dropped that game on Monday. Alec Mills getting the spot start on Tuesday, gives up three runs in that first inning. The Cubs trailing three to nothing at the end of the top of the first. And you're thinking okay, what's going on here? What happened to that team we saw in that weekend against Pittsburgh? But they really tighten up in this game. They put their foot down and they say not today, Cincinnati. Alec Mills goes on to throw a quality start. So a a huge round of applause for him and a a hat tip for that effort because he gives up three in that first inning, throws a lot of pitches and is able to settle down and deliver a quality start. Six innings, five hits, three earned, one walk and six strikeouts. So all told, a really nice night for... For Alec Mills and against a Reds lineup that has a lot of pop give him a lot of credit for being able to put out that type of outing the Cubs narrowing the deficit in the bottom of the second with a Robel Garcia two-run home run in the bottom of the sixth now Brendan I'm I'm checking my notes here and, and according to some I'm wondering if this is a legal play but with the Cubs trailing by a run Chris Bryant hit a game-tying home run I've been told by many people on the internet that he does not get clutch hits and does not perform uh, in, in spots like that. So, it, is this something that the Reds can review? Is this legal for you him know, to It's weird. So,
0: yeah, we'll have to review it, but uh, this is what MVPs do, if I need to remind you.
1: Yes, uh, turns out it is legal, and Chris Bryant, being very, very good at baseball, he does hit a game-tying home run in this one. That was his 19th, but like Schwarber, he was not done for the series. And, as I just mentioned, here was where Schwarber was not done for the series, and that was in the bottom of the 10th inning. The bullpens for both the Reds and Cubs do a nice job from the 7th to the ninth, and then Raciel Iglesias gets got by Kyle Schwarber, who deposits an opposite-field home run into the basket, a walk-off home run. The Cubs win 4-3. And then on Wednesday, as we mentioned, Yu Darvish goes out and shoves. Ladies and gentlemen, Yu Darvish picked up a win at Wrigley Field. At Wrigley Field. It happened. It happened. I, we need, you know, like I need like confetti or something like that going off <laughs> a, as we say this. He did it. We can be done talking about that. He picks up the win his third of the season. He goes 6 innings, 2 hits, no earned, no walks and 7 strikeouts. Mm, this was a really it. good game love for it. you Darvish. He only throws 83 pitches. I don't think we got an exact reason why he came out when he did. He, he was due to lead off the inning. Schwarber comes in and, and pinch hits for him. It's also very hot in Chicago. Him and Hadevee yeah. have a meeting on the mound prior to him uh, finishing that at bat in the six with Yasiel Puig that he finishes with a strikeout. And it seemed to be one of those like, okay, let's dial it up here. This is going to be it. So I... I, I, I doubt it was one of those like Joe wants to get him out and have him feeling good things because this wasn't really about feeling good the dude's dealing so I I don't think that that's what it was I think it was just hot a little overexerted and you just want to get him out there while he's uh, still feeling comfortable physically Uh, but a really good start for you Darvish we will talk about that more in a second here the cubs getting their runs in this one on Chris Bryant's 20th home run of the year in the bottom of the first inning that made it 1 to nothing Addison Russell's 6th in the second made it 2 to nothing we go a long way with little action in this one until Jason Hayward doubles to score Brizzo. That would be Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, all at the same time to make it four to nothing. The Reds would get two back in the top of the eighth. A little bit of bad babip luck for Brandon Kinsler, but that's what happens when you're a contact pitcher. But he does get the double play to get himself out of further damage. And in the bottom of the eighth, Anthony Rizzo adds a little insurance for Craig Kimbrell, who comes on and picks up his fourth save of the season. Cubs win the series. Like I said, they have now won both series out of the break. And one note that I want to throw out in particular, because it is a good transition to get back into talking about you, Darvish, is that every single start now in the second half of this season, the Cubs have delivered a quality start from their starting pitcher and if you will recall just to sort of go back to one of my main talking points of the offseason I kept saying this that I thought that this was the floor of this group that they were going to deliver quality starts and keep the team in the game in in this stretch we don't see Eight inning, nine inning, complete game shutouts, or anything like that. But we see really good performances that allow Joe to turn the ball over to, in most times, not some, which maybe we'll talk about, but uh, Joe's getting a little crazy sometimes, but allows him to turn the ball over to his best guys in that bullpen, ask them to just shut down a couple innings, a few innings at a time, and get ourselves a W. And that's exactly what this starting staff is doing. But, Brendan, I want to turn to. You Darvish, we, a topic that has come up constantly since he has signed here, uh, but he looks really, really good right now. And the, the key, when you talked to him after the game, when you talked to Joe after the game, all the beat writers talking about, it, the key has been the fastball command. It was there yeah. today easily I I think the best that we have seen it and it's one of those things where even if you're not digging into the numbers I think if you're just watching you're looking at this going he looks like a different person he looks so much more confident out there and you can just see from a visual standpoint what having that fastball command does to the rest of his arsenal and what it does in terms of keeping hitters off balance but you look at these two starts out of the break 12 innings, four hits, no runs, just one walk, and 15 strikeouts. Brendan, wow. this is wow. what we yep. kind of have been talking about where you say you kind of forgot last year that lurking in this Cubs rotation was the potential to be a top of the rotation guy and a nice. top of the league guy with the stuff that you Darvish has and with It all coming together, especially in these last two starts to start this second half, you're really seeing it. Well, it's been beyond
0: the two starts. I think that the little hiccup that he had right before the break kind of, I think, erased many of the good momentum he was making prior to that. This has been a long time coming. It's been eight weeks now since he had the fastball command. And in this start and in the last start, yeah, the command is even better than it was a few weeks ago even though it was uh, trending in the right direction. Today, he threw 41 four-seamers, Corey. That is the highest rate since his opening day start this year. Highest rate. Not only that, though, he's throwing sinkers as well. He threw, in total, a four-seamer or a sinker in 60% of his pitches, the most this season. Not only that, he, he whipped eight batters with a four-seamer. The highest of the season. And so this is a a stark contrast from what we saw in May, in late April, when he was throwing mostly cutters, mostly sliders. He was throwing those two pitches almost three quarters of the time. And we knew why. The fastball command was visibly not there. But what he did today is what you knew he could do and what Theo signed him to do. We're beyond the building, the building block type starts. I said that even in the last podcast, but I, I genuinely believe that. This is who Yu Darvish is. There's no reason to be scared about this in terms of it not lasting. This is the same guy who looked like this for five years of his career. This is no shocker. It was way more surprising that he had no command for two months than it is what he's doing right now. This is exactly what Yu Darvish has done his entire career. Okay, And so going forward, yeah, I'm expecting this. I'm expecting you Darvish to be one of the nastiest pitchers in the league. I'm expecting him to translate all those pitches to be one of the most valuable pitchers in the league. And I'm, I'm fine saying that. This guy, when he's on like he has been in the last two starts, there's not many pitchers who can say they have that type of repertoire. Maybe Scherzer, maybe from a left-handed point of view, Chris Sale. Darvish is up there.
1: Well, and just amazing. Again, we talked about it. Kind of jumping on here to hear the crowd get behind him, and man, that we we've seen some moments like this from him before, but especially because finally it ends in the W and not a no decision or anything. That fist pump, man, when he got Yasiel Puig to end that sixth inning, end his day. He rears back. There's a 98 mile an hour fastball, yeah. and just lets that emotion go. It's it was re- like
0: reminiscent of that Puig strikeout that he came back down the eighth inning. What was that, yeah. two months ago, whenever that yeah. was? So like you were saying, I don't think Joe did that just to protect his psyche. I think it made sense. You have Schwarber coming up off the bench. You're gonna take Darvish out probably anyway in the next inning just to get your high leverage relievers in. That that made sense. And Darvish deserved every bit of the applause the crowd gave him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just really good to see that moment. Darvish was funny in his post-game interview. He he had the ball. They they asked him what he was going to do with the ball. And he (laughs) said he was going to give it to his wife. And then he paused and said, well, maybe. I don't know if she wants it. But so he's always funny in these interviews. And He's also really honest, which is always interesting because he talked where he said, you know, I, throughout my whole career, I've always been someone that, that gives up a lot of walks. And even to me, it's kind of surprising that I haven't been giving up as many walks lately. So always just well, kind hold of— hold on.
0: That's not like—that's that's you, Darvish, being hard on himself. Though. Yeah, like for his sure. Career
1: walk rate, his career walk rate is like basically
0: at average, league average to better than league average. So it's not—that's not necessarily true. That just goes to show you he has high standards for himself. The fact that he thinks his league average walker rate is too much, that is the type of guy who we're dealing with that never gets highlighted.
1: Yeah, and it's, again, something that we've talked about with several of these guys where you just know that he has worked really hard to get himself healthy and get himself to the position where he's being productive. We talked about him wanting the ball to start the second half and not shying away from these moments, wanting to help the team more than he has and and being honest about the fact that he hasn't. And so to see him doing this and and having that success you you always root for these guys because he he's been a part of this team and you know that he has wanted to be more productive and he's put in the work to get to this moment and so i think to see those results is really something i just want to read uh just this little sample from Jeremy Frank at MLB random stats on twitter a really good follow if you don't follow him already and over his last 9 starts 54 total innings pitched you has a 3.50 ERA a 176 batting average against a 28.2 strikeout rate and just a 5.7 walk rate. Those numbers, all of them are better than the MLB average by a, a good long bit. And that's not to say that we want Darvish to be around average, but that's a, a much bigger sample than just these last few starts. And he seems to only be getting better and trending in the right direction.
0: So how do you feel about this? Because you, we were talking about Darvish at the break and you mentioned not to throw you under the bus here but you did mention that it wasn't a surprise that Darvish was pitching so poorly so and i've seen a lot of this on on twitter as well and this is not one related to you but you do see tweets and responses like oh well i need to see more of this from darvish and even you know the one step forward two steps backward approach that we saw even in some of june mm-hmm. Some people are not going to accept this as who you, Darvish, is. Like, these last two stars, they're going to think that's more of an anomaly than something to expect going forward. But, like, for for me, this is who I saw pitch for the Rangers and the Dodgers for several years now, and this is no surprise to me. So I'm, I'm like, fully committed. I think this is what we're going to get going forward. I, I really do. What do you think?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think my position was basically just that I'm, I, I was past the point of expecting anything or, or saying like, yes, I firmly expect X going forward just because it's been so up and down. And I was just more in a place of, I'll take it start by start. I believe in the guy. I'm rooting for the guy. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm expecting him to go out and shove the next outing because I just wasn't. yeah and So this is
0: a surprise for you then?
1: Well, no, I wouldn't say that either. I think I've been pretty clear that I know what's in there and and we know that he has these abilities. Right. It's not like I'm surprised to see that he's able to generate this whiff rate or be this nasty. I think I've I've made it clear that I know that. Just that I I just let's take it start by start I don't need to to sit here and say oh yeah next outing I'm expecting a seven inning shutout I I just don't know but I I think it's just going forward obviously as we've watched him over the last year here he looks like a different guy right there's there's no way to deny that and I'm very pumped up by what we saw his his fastball command and just his overall Outing and everything about what's going on. You know, in both of these outings after the break here, I think he's taken a no hitter into the fifth inning, and it it all, again, just sort of seems to be coming together. You look back at Some of the stuff we saw last year, there were a lot of outings where he didn't get hit hard, but the walks just kill him. A poorly timed home run kills him and stuff like that. Or the the walks just limit him to being able to go four innings or something like that. And, you know, now you're seeing that reined in a bit, you're seeing everything else dialed up, and it's all coming together where he's still not getting hit that hard. He doesn't give up a lot of hits and he's nasty and he's able to just put it all together. So I, I don't know if I'm necessarily at the point where I'm like you, just expecting this going forward. Well, again, the
0: reason that I am is just because we've seen him command the fastball like this for a while now. And yeah. that was the main driving reason for his failures in May. It, it, that was it. So that's fixed. And now on top of that, He's mixing up his pitch repertoire by throwing more sinkers, by throwing more curveballs. Uh, Rob Friedman, the, the pitching ninja, gift one up one of his curveballs today. You see what he brings. So the reason that I think, yeah, what we saw today is going to go and is something I expect is because he's commanding the fastball with authority, and he's been doing that for a while now. So that's why I think this is what we're going to get
1: going forward. We've talked pretty clearly for the the last year plus that we know this guy has this stuff. We know that it's all in here and that there's a reason that he had the contract that he did and commanded the attention that he did and I think you're really seeing that now. So definitely, even for me, you know, someone who was just like, let's just take it start by start. I don't know. I don't want to, you know, bet my life savings or anything on on what he's going to be doing on a start-to-start basis. There's no denying that he looks in a completely different place than we have seen him as a Chicago Cub, and if there is anything to give you that confidence that he is you know, he's found himself, he's back to where he needs to be to be his best self. He, he's doing those things. So I think there's no question about that. And and again, it's very exciting when you look at this Cubs rotation because he's someone who has, I, I think it's fair to say, that the most potential of anyone in the rotation even for as good as as you look at someone like Kyle Hendricks and I think Cole Hamels in particular over this last period like just how good they've been on a start by start basis Darvish has the potential to be at a completely different level and you 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 see that again you mentioned it the, the 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 mixing of the pitches and especially like his ability he's shown this multiple times when he needs to rear back and sit in those upper 90s he can do it and he just has The the potential that I don't think anybody else has. And when we're looking at this team and what they did in the first half and what we want them to do at the deadline and everything, you Darvish being a top of the rotation guy, giving you that kind of like no hitter every night type of stuff is a total narrative game. Whatever you want to change, that's what it does. That's how good he has been. And that's how good he has the potential to be. So Whether I am, again, kind of like betting my life savings on what he's going to do the next outing or not, I'm very excited about it, and I am thrilled that he's able to have that moment at Wrigley Field and show that emotion and just be that pumped up about it because you know... He wants to be contributing to this team, and right now he's doing that. Rizzo said after the game, what he's doing right now, it's really fun to be in the field behind this guy. So you know everybody's behind him, everybody's rooting for him, and it's great to see him getting these results. All right, uh, breaking news on the podcast.
0: Unfortunately, Corey, Adbert Alzolai removed from the game with some type of injury. We don't know what it is. He was walking a lot of guys since being sent back down to Iowa. He had, I think, 16 walks in 16 innings, and some uh, were just skeptical about his health. Some suggested maybe he wasn't even finishing his follow through, and so indeed he does have an injury. He has just headed off the field right now with the athletic trainer, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll we'll look for more as this podcast continues. But that that is that
1: is not good, Corey. That is. Uh, that uh, is not, not good. good man. Brendan especially as we head toward this trade deadline obviously Auslahi had gotten his first attempts up here looked really good in some of those outings and i whether he was someone who they may have looked to package in a trade or someone who they were envisioning bringing back up and being a part of a deeper rotation a bullpen he was going to be in the plan. So this is not good. And anytime you have someone who, like you said, suddenly the control is not good, the command isn't there, there's a spike in that walk rate, and then they have to leave a game, that's almost never good, Brendan. So I'm not going to get into speculating at, at what the injury is, but if you've watched baseball, especially in this era with pitchers, those things all happening oh, at the same Lord, time. His, his last fastball was 88. Yeah, they, these are—if there was a checklist of things that don't sound good as it relates to what the injury might be, you're you're checking all the boxes here. So, again, I, I don't know what it is. Ugh, Hopefully it's believe this. something minor, but these are not great signs. And regardless, two weeks out before the trade deadline, you're going to have to now probably— Operate without him in it. Whatever plans you're figuring, so that is. Uh, we, we, we've had some positive mid-podcast updates. That's not one of them. That that might be the worst in podcast um. update that we've had. So that 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 stinks. Uh, especially again for someone who had gotten his chance at the big league level, picked up some of those those early milestones in his career, and was was really, like I said, looking to be. In one way or another, a factor for this team as we head deeper into the second like half sick. here. So that stinks. Uh, hopefully, he's all right. We're, we're we're thinking about you, Adbert, and we'll if we get an update on that mid podcast, we will do that for you. Otherwise, uh, as usual, you can check CubsInsider.com Probably later uh, tonight I or in the morning. For
0: cramps or something. I don't know. Maybe it's hot yeah. out there. Oh, good
1: God. Yeah. So you never know. Hopefully, it's just something like that. But. We shall see. So I want to move now, Brendan, into something that we've talked about, and I got to be honest with you guys. I, I I can't not say anything about this. I, I have to bring this up because it just makes me so mad. <laughs> you cannot lead off games with Albert Almora. There it is. I, I have no idea what Joe was thinking prior to Wednesday's game. I know he is in this thing where he likes to lay these lineups out in advance, but I, I got to be honest with you, Brendan, this is one of the more egregious things that I, I can think of. This is a terrible process. This is one of those things we always talk about, process over results. This is a terrible, terrible process. Well, why do you think he did process.
0: it then? There's a, re- there's a reason for it. To, like, What do you think it is
1: then? I- Honestly, I think it's because going into the game, I think El was three for four against Sonny Gray, and I... Wouldn't be surprised if that was the answer. What else would be the answer, I don't know. Brendan? Like
0: I feel as if they're trying to. You know, Joe does this. He'll put guys in a leadoff spot to get them going, and Al needs to get going. His numbers sure. suck this year. Sure,
1: okay, I get it. But I'm not look. I'm not, guy, I'm not. I'm not backing. I'm Matt playing. Here. I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah. to your point. I'm not, yeah putting Rizzo in the leadoff spot to get him going is a very different thing than putting Almora in the leadoff spot to get him going. Anthony Rizzo has years of being one of the better hitters in baseball on his track record. Albert Almora does not. So, uh, look again, like we talked about this a lot. We belabored the point. I, I know. I'm sure a lot of you are sick of hearing us talk about the 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 lack of depth and these last few guys on the Cubs bench or whatever. But this is the type of thing that I'm I'm I, I'm I'm like actually mad about. I, I'm really mad that they ran this lineup out, and he goes over four with three strikeouts. He doesn't see any pitches through the game he does nothing that a leadoff hitter wants and Brendan I'm just at the point where you've got the Cardinals now who I think are ahead of the Brewers in in, in second place here all separated by just a few games you cannot lead off a guy that has a 680 OPS Brendan I can't believe I even have to say that
0: well I'm, I'm not defending Madden here but you look at this depth it's non-existent So Bodie's been trash, Del Scalzo, don't need to mention him, and Amor has not been good either. So I do get, in Joe's sense, the logic of, okay, maybe he's had some success against Sonny Gray in the past, maybe his pitch repertoire is conducive to Amora breaking out, let's put him there, let's roll the dice. I know you want to balance urgency versus trying to get people going, but the Cubs do need some type of depth, and maybe this was an opportunity Joe thought would be useful. I... If again, if it's me, I'm not doing it. But I'm trying, trying to get inside the head of someone who's making these decisions. That's the only thing I can think of. Is okay. Let's try to get out going because our depth has been so bad.
1: Yeah, and and certainly as we talked about, this is a lot on Theo in the front office as well because the depth isn't there so sometimes these guys got to play it's the same thing in the bullpen right I can complain about Randy Rosario coming into close games all I want but at the end of the day Joe didn't put him on the roster right so uh, eventually these situations come up but again I know I'm treading into dangerous waters here the Albert Amora fan club is one of the the most loud groups I think amongst the Cubs Twitter so have at me if you will. But all I would ask of you is tell me why I should be okay with someone with, in his last 30 games, 80 at-bats, a 588 OPS. You make a compelling argument for why that person should be leading off who doesn't run well, doesn't have speed, doesn't take walks, doesn't see pitches, and has one of, or it's got to be the highest ground ball rates on the team. I would love to hear the argument for why that's a chill thing for Joe Are you to be doing. you about that? No, I, I'm saying if you uh, want to come to Almora's aid or, or defend him or a, you know, a staunch supporter of his, I'm all for hearing the argument, right? Yeah. But I, th- this division is tight. This division is tight. You're, you're trying to pick up on—you're coming off a month where you were under 500, I just can't have guys with a sub-600 OPS over their last 30 games leading off for this team. I think it's an egregious decision, and it pissed me off. And it pissed me off more, Brendan, because we're coming off of last night where, look, everybody makes boneheaded mistakes. It happens. It's not the end of the world. I'm not trying to roast Almora at, at the stake here, right? But he strikes out in the ninth inning of a tie game. The ball gets away from the catcher, and instead of noticing that and running to first, he might have been safe, but at the very least, his presence down the line could no, have complicated the throw.
0: he would safe. The ball goes to the It Brooks. looked like he, he was going to be safe. He's yeah. just
1: very slow, so I, I don't know. But Elmora is busy turning towards the Cubs' dugout and smiling at the opposing hitcher, kind of like, you got me, like, nice pitch, blah, blah, blah and then he's rewarded seemingly for doing that by leading off the next game and look he makes an insane play in the outfield i've said this a million times i'm not ask, i'm not saying that they should get rid of him i don't hate the guy that's not what's happening here but what i'm saying is is that he made a great catch that's the asset that he brings to the field guys at at a certain point should he sit in the dugout and put his feet up for the rest of the game because he made a huge catch in the first inning it's an insane catch it's one of the best catches he maybe has made even though he disagreed with which I thought was interesting uh just personally he said he didn't think it was near the top of his list but that catch on that Votto ball was unreal was insane totally insane yeah so, so I'm I'm totally acknowledging that I I think Al as as someone on the bench as, as a defensive replacement someone that platoons every now and again can be a, a very productive member of this team as he has been for uh, a couple years now but playing him this much leading him off I, I I can't do it man and I and I know I've said this before that I know that the the strongest argument from his supporters is going to be that he he has not gotten. A fair shake. He needs everyday playing time to be allowed to turn into the player that they believe he's going to be. But again, I would say the same thing. He's got a 580 OPS over his last 80 at bats. He's got a 678 OPS on the entire season. Yeah. Sorry, I don't want to give him everyday I know, playing I time. I, you you got to see more.
0: Yeah. I mean, here, here's here's my last takeaway with it. Again, I, I rather not Al get those chances. It doesn't mean. That in some weird, messed up sense, I know what the Cubs were doing. Al just came in to, what was it, a few days ago, a pinch hit home run, right? Off a of fastball and he destroyed it. So you never know too. like we're fans on the outside. We have no idea what Al is working on with Anthony Niaposi. You have no idea what the communication amongst them and Joe Madden are. And maybe the stats don't back it up, but what they're doing internally, what they're seeing internally does back it up. And so for one game against a tough pitcher, Sonny Gray, but even though he's had success against Sonny Gray, maybe that made sense. Again, I don't like it. I'd rather Schwarber would have been in there, but that's just me or giving Hayward more of an opportunity there. But at the end of this discussion of, you know, do you like it? Do you not like it? I still at least see the logic of doing it. That's all. I know you don't. That's fine. But at least I, I think I think there's more to it than just, just the numbers right there.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, look, this is one of those things where we just develop these kind of personal opinions. Like this, this is just the way I feel. It. it I don't necessarily think I'm I'm right. I, I don't necessarily think I have all the answers or all of the information that Joe's working with or, or the feeling on what's going in the clubhouse. So, I, look, if 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 you and I disagree or anyone out there and I disagree, that's totally fine. It's just where I see it, but. Th- him at leadoff today just sort of pushed me over the so edge. Let me, let me I ask don't you know a question. I'm just being honest with y'all it just I just looked at that lineup and was like <laughs> I can't handle this anymore I mean I just can't handle this and you know he goes oh he goes over four with three strikeouts that's about the outcome that you deserved when that's your your process here that's how I feel so let me ask you a question so if you had sure. to
0: choose right now between David Bodie getting more playing time or Amora who are you picking
1: well, I, I think I would choose Bodhi, but again, like my main issue is him hitting leadoff. It, it's not necessarily about the playing. Time. Yeah, but it, still it, like it, you it's still about compl- him hitting leadoff. Yeah,
0: but you still complain about Amora getting played. Yes, time. I do. You do. Yeah. So I mean like Amora just accelerates that anger that you have, but
1: you still you still are not in tune with the idea of him getting played. Yeah. So I mean then then we get back to what we've talked about ad nauseum here, which is that the depth isn't good. You've got too many of these guys being inconsistent, and Bodie's look terrible, right? So we wanted him to take a hold of, of that position and, and get that playing time, and that hasn't happened. So I understand why you got to mix and match these guys, but again, I'm just thrown over the edge when we're leading off with those kind of offensive numbers. It just, for me, can't be happening at this point in the season, and again, we're, we're kind of we're really quickly, if we're not already there, getting to the point where we, we got to be putting our best lineup out there as often as we can, trying to win games, not spending all this time going, oh, we got to get this guy going. Like, there there comes a time where you don't have time for that. Either they're going or they're not, and we got to find somebody that is. Again, I, I could go on for this because it it really bothered me. <laughs> like, just especially last night, like, with with him not running down the line and like had the Cubs lost that game you you definitely would be looking at that play going okay well that was a pretty big play for you to just not be paying attention and hustling to first base yeah that that
0: that that one I, I did not like and mostly like I love Al's attitude right like I can't go on this podcast
1: and trash al i love the guy's he's, attitude yeah he's definitely there like no one's calling him lazy right. it's nothing like it's that. just it's more just of a like bad play it's like
0: al you gotta have more awareness there like yeah. even like it has to cross your mind ball in the dirt look like come on al you gotta be doing better than that so that's why i was upset his first reaction was to kind of humble himself and congratulate the pitcher in the eighth inning not not the time man but that can be easily miscrewed. uh you know, misinterpreted as us uh, saying, ah, oh, he's lazy, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not thrilled with that. And yeah, if if it were me, Corey, if it were me, he wouldn't even you know, play today. You got to have better awareness than to to do that in the eighth inning of a close ball game.
1: I've got my sword out. I've waded into the waters of the Albert Almora Junior Fan Club, and I'm prepared to go yeah, to battle. I'll look out for your
0: uh, social media mentions tomorrow, man.
1: I, I'm I'm not into it, man. I, that's just where I am. And again, if we disagree, we disagree. But I, I and I've said this before. I'd I'd also caution like. If you want him to get everyday playing time to turn into the player that you believe he's going to be, I don't think that's going to happen. So... I'm not sure where that leaves us, but just with the, the the position players that they have and what they're looking to do, maybe at this trade deadline, like I, I don't think we end up in a scenario where he's playing every day. I, I just don't think that that's something that's going to come to fruition. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't weeks, be counting on that if that if that's the only way it gets him going. I, I just it, like <laughs> practically, I don't see that happen. Yeah, look, in three weeks, we're we're not going to have this discussion. Like I. Would
0: be floored if we don't get someone like Nick Castellanos or a, a different outfielder for added
1: depth. I don't think we have this discussion in three weeks. I do want to talk a little bit because there's there's never a bad time to continue pointing this out. But because this is obviously a very strong stance of the Cubs related podcast, it's another good time to remind you that Chris Bryant is uh, really good at baseball and. He hits another home run on Wednesday, hits a home run on Tuesday, and as we pointed out before, he's in the middle of what would end as... Near or or better than his best season in, in Major League Baseball. He has the highest average of his career. He is close on on-base percentage. He has the highest WOBA of his career right now. He has the highest WRC Plus at 152 of his career. And he may not, I don't think, get to that uh, 39 home run mark that he hit in his career best season. But He's at 20 already. The bombs looking like they're coming a little more regularly now, Brendan, and it's all just to say that he is really, really good, and he has started this second second half like a, a man on a mission out to continue reminding people that he is one of the best players in Major League Baseball.
0: Yeah, and when Chris Bryant said to his dad, Mike Bryant, who is, by the way, friend of the podcast uh that he only has five good games a year where he looks back on he's like, yeah, those those were good games. It kind of shows the type of attitude that Chris Bryant has. And he he knew, like he was even self-critical going to the All-Star break. Like he he knew the team was not playing up to its standards. He himself said he was upset at times about his play too. I'm always confident that Chris Bryant's going to adapt. For someone to come into the league with against 32% of pitches, and then the very next year, almost have that. And then the very next year after that, have that rate that shows this guy gets it. Like he gets, he knows how to adjust. He knows how to make the most of his talent. And it's kind of scary to think what could be next with Chris Bryant, because he's not a finished product.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just looking at the updated war leaderboard for all of Major League Baseball right now if, you know, it's it's Wednesday night, so there's probably still some games going on that may change this just a little bit, but probably not that much. But Chris Bryant at number eight in all of Major League Baseball at four flat wins above replacement. He is just uh, one off of Cattell Marte of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who comes in at third in the National League. So right now, Chris is eighth in all of Major League Baseball and fourth by a very narrow margin in the National League. Now, granted, you have Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich, who are kind of running away at the top there. Chris would have to go on Quite the tear to get near what those two guys are doing, but I, I I think him being uh third or fourth in the entire National League and in the top ten in Major League Baseball is is still pretty good. Brendan, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say yeah, I and think so. Yeah, pretty safe to say. He, He's just been really, really good, and again, like a lot has been made about his hitting with runners in scoring position, yada, 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 but as I've said on here before, I, I really don't care. I think at a certain point, you are delving into nitpicking what a top player you know where areas that he could improve and you know it it almost kind of reminds me of when he came up and everyone was talking about his strikeouts and it's like you're looking at his overall production going yeah he strikes out a lot like I I I wish he would work on that and he did because he's amazing but at the end of the day like I'm still gonna take this production right like yeah sure he's striking out a lot he's still one of the best hitters in the league so who cares deal with it right and again, you see him in this Red Series. He got a big hit. There wasn't a runner in scoring position, but that was a big hit. The Cubs were down. They needed a run, and he gave it to him. So I, I, I'm not. it's all to say I'm not delving into any of those topics, really. Chris Bryant is fantastic. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. He's one of the best players in baseball. And that is, I think, I, I don't want to speak for you, Brendan, but I think a definitive <laughs> stance of the Cubs-related podcast. Again,
0: there's no slander about Chris Bryant on this podcast. We just... We would not tolerate that. He's right. he's an MVP candidate. He's a perpetual MVP candidate. He does everything well in the field. He he, he runs well. He fields well. He bats. He adjusts. Great attitude. Guys love him. There's nothing more to say about Chris Bryant. And again, just, just to emphasize this a little bit more, if Chris Bryant keeps adjusting like this, then there's going to be no question whatsoever about his clutch ability, about his future with the Cubs and whether or not the Cubs should extend him. There's going to be no more questions about that. This this guy is one of the best Cubs hitters you will see in your lifetimes, probably. And you just got to you got to enjoy it. You got to enjoy the masters at their work because he's one of the smartest and one of the best. Anyway, all right. So, let's uh, preview this upcoming series
1: against the San Diego Padres, Corey. So, the Padres. Well, so, Brendan, I, sure. I do just want to jump in there real quick before you do that. And just because I spent 30 minutes talking about it, do you have any further thoughts on the oh, Montgomery Maldonado yeah. trade or, or kind of everything covered there?
3: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply Netflix. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
2: yeah I
0: mean you did a great job covering it uh I kind of echo your sentiment thank you Mike for of course changing all of our Cubs uh, fandom lives uh most memorable baseball moment in our lives no doubt about that the logic of the actual trade does make sense Montgomery unfortunately his value has dipped substantially since last season was not good this season has dealt with multiple injuries and the Cubs were at a point where they couldn't sport him on this roster and they couldn't send him back to iowa so they were they were left in a really bad spot so the cubs took an opportunity they solidified their catching depth they were talking about solidifying their catching depth even before wilson Contreras got injured apparently and now they have the best catching trio in professional baseball i think there's no doubt about it you have the best hitter in professional baseball Contreras the best arm in professional baseball with Contreras. You have now the best pitch framer in professional baseball with uh, with Maldonado, or at least one of the best according to his framing numbers over the last three seasons. And then you have Caratini who does both. He frames well, decent defense, great bat, kind of getting into his own this year. And so at some point, you are just going with the flow and, and seeing the logic with what with, with Theo's doing here. He's solidifying the depth. On top of that too, and shout out to Ryan, uh who always, you know, kind of keeps us in line here, but he mentioned that maybe Wilson Contreras could go into left field or go into right field, and that could be another option for the Cubs to solidify not just their catching depth, but now their outfield depth as well. We saw Contreras play many games in the outfield in 2016. We saw him play the outfield in Pittsburgh a few weeks ago, even though he made that error. Um I I think it's I think it's it makes sense. It seems weird to trade Montgomery, who has more team control for a backup catcher who will be a free agent, but again, the Cubs had no choice. Value plummeted, injuries, aging, didn't want to go to Iowa, can't go to Iowa, that's just how it works. Um, So, I mean, I think that's where you were too, right, Corey? Yeah, pretty much. All right, so previewing this upcoming series, we have the Padres at the Cubs starting on Friday. Friday day game at 1.20 p.m. Central Time. Your boy, John Lester on the mound, 9-6, a 3.74 ERA. He'll be facing Eric Lauer, who's 5-7 with a 4.04 ERA. On Saturday, another day game, 1.20 p.m. Start Time again. Jose Quintana on the mound, 7-7 at a 4.21 ERA. He'll be facing Joey Lucchesi, who's 7-4 with a 3.92 ERA. And then to finish off the three-game set on Sunday, the Cubs will have Kyle Hendricks take the mound for the Cubs, Hendricks 7-7, as well with a 3.46 ERA. He'll be facing Cal Quantrill for the Padres, 2-2 with a 4.21 ERA. The complete standings at the moment for the Cubs, they are still two and a half games up on the division. Uh, ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers who are now 4, uh, 50 and 47 the Cubs have 52 and 44 eight games above 500 the Cardinals are 48 and 46 three games back Pittsburgh 45 and 40 six and a half games back and Cincinnati 43 and 50 uh, seven and a half games back the Padres right now you know all about their young talent. you know about Fernando Tatis. Machado of course, Hosmer, the list goes on. The Padres right now are in the cellar in the NL West at 45 and 49 though so kind of like the Central. After the Dodgers in the West it's pretty tight so they're going to be vying for you know some competitiveness this year. Maybe try to push for that wild card spot but they do have some talent on that team and I think know for being honest here I love Javi Baez but seeing Javi Baez and Tatis on the same field that's kind of like a casual baseball fan's dream who doesn't have any connections to any team so in addition to watching Tatis play this week I think some things to monitor for the Cubs will be Hendricks his velocity was slightly down from what we saw before he got injured nothing to be concerned about because that's what he usually was for the majority of the last three years and before he got injured, his velocity was like at its best since even 2015, 2016. So nothing to be concerned about. But at least I'm going to be monitoring that a little bit. And then um, when John Lester is not pitching, Corey maybe he goes and hits his second home run of the year, which will make you and I have a discussion about your tattoo possibility. Uh, outside of those two players, with Lester and, and Hendricks, I think everything else makes sense. Keep watching KB adjust. Keep watching what the Cubs do at second base with Russell and Bodie. And what they do in the outfield with Elmora, and uh, other than that, keep it going. Fifty-two and forty-four. You have an opportunity to make to make more room in the division, and they're off to a hot second start.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think that now, as we get into these series where John is pitching, I'm like almost more focused on his offense, mostly just because <laughs> I want to be able to continue tweeting out who he's better than. Are you going like to get that tattoo as, though? Seriously. Well, I, I do just want to point out that that's not legally binding. Anymore. I know it's not. That that was an issue but we for twenty eighteen. So we will discuss it. I have not reached out to at Cubs. Uh, I usually like to leave them alone if they can. I I know that those mentions can be a dumpster fire at times, but we'll we'll see about that. We'll have a conversation about that. We we can talk about it. I do just want to clarify though that in twenty eighteen, if he had bombed the second one. There I was under a a social contract to get that tattoo. That's not where we're at in twenty nineteen. It was not necessarily re upped, but we'll see. Regardless, all right, you're getting you're getting rooting for him to hit that, the home run. It's just a conversation that we'd have to have. Like I, no. I'm in a different place in my life. No, Brendan, you're, you know? you're doing it. It's just a matter of where you do it on your
0: body. <laughs> it's it. I, yeah. I can't believe we're having this discussion. I'm going to tweet at Cubs right now, even though they don't follow me for, for whatever. But you know, I am going to. They do follow me. In case any of you guys were wondering, well, that's a different uh, topic of conversation. I have twice as many Twitter followers as you, by the way. They, so. they made the right choice.
1: No. They they know what they're doing. But anyway, I. It'll be, like you said, it will be interesting to see Tatis and Javi on the same field. Always, you know, it's tough to predict those situations, but I I think you can always envision when they're on the field together a scenario where they they try to one-up one another if they they get the opportunity, right? You know, they kind of have to be on base or getting the hits to be able to do stuff like that. But interesting to see if those situations come up. And as you watch Tatis and, and hear everybody gushing about him do remember that the White Sox traded him for James Shields. And I don't bring that up as a dig at the White Sox. I only bring that up as an example of other teams trade big-time prospects that then they regret trading. It's not just something that happens to the Cubs. So other teams do this too. So uh, And also Jose Quintana is light years better than James Shields. It was but like I four years younger at the time. But yeah, that's, that's for a, a different day. A, a much different day. We could do a whole podcast on that. We but. Can again like just keep it rolling i think so far in this second half the cubs have done exactly what they said they wanted to do during the break and after the break they they got their rest they reset and they've cleaned it up the, the the later innings in that game on monday kind of stand out as a bit of an anomaly here in these in these first 6 games and that's a good thing they they have not looked sloppy they have not looked uh you know messy and and lacking that approach at times they look dialed in they look tight they look clean and they're playing a better brand of baseball and a brand of baseball that I think we are more accustomed to with this Chicago Cubs team and this group in particular and I and I do think that it reflects kind of that larger attitude we had toward the end of that first half there where we were just kind of like even if you you want to make changes to this roster even if you think that the the roster could be better or are wondering how they stack up against some of these other teams they should be better than this and just their 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 pure talent and and their the seasons that they're getting out of some of these guys should be leading to better results and i and i think you're seeing that in these first couple series so just keep taking care of business here against the san diego team coming in and uh you know finish up this homestand with some wins and like you said brendan you got to just try to build some distance in this division as we head to the trade deadline give theo a clear idea of what he needs to be doing and and what this team needs to really take off and just continue to play well I think that's I think that's yeah. really the key. They're playing good baseball right now, and that's all we're really asking from them. I think we know that the talent level is there to be at the top of the league and, and be accomplishing the things that we want to see them do as fans. And all, all we're really asking is that they not throw games away. So I think they've done a much better job of that. Monday, not included in that, but otherwise they've done a very good job of that in that second half. So let's just keep that rolling. But I think that's all we have for you on the Cubs Related Podcast for this episode. Kind of a lot going on. We had a, a deal already here in, in the middle of July as we uh, you know are still a couple weeks away from the trade deadline. So we will obviously be keeping our eyes on what the Cubs are doing, the rumors, and any discussions that may come up. But I I think other than that, that, that's all we have for you. So as always, we thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you on Sunday evening or Monday morning when you listen to it after the Cubs finish up with the visiting San Diego Padres. So as always, we thank you guys for listening and go Cubs.
3: keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with xfinity internet you'll get the best in-home wi-fi experience with reliable speed and coverage now that's simple easy awesome go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more restrictions apply Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
2: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history